It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello, and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show, and today we are going to shine a light on North American wrestling as our year end awards come forward. And to join me to discuss this, because quite frankly, no one else could be bothered. It's Alex. How are you? What, <laughs> what an intro. The only one who could be bothered to try and talk about North American wrestling. Yeah. I'd like to point out, including four North Americans. Yeah, yeah. I thought, <laughs> I thought it would be a little bit more popular. Like, I thought Chelsea or Marcus might be tempted to jump on, but we were just speaking before we, we started recording that. It kind of speaks to how interest has perhaps waned in North American <laughs> wrestling in the last few months. I've actually talked to people who are in the North American wrestling industry and they were like, yeah, can I do it this week? They might have some more. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, when, when you talk about New Japan, we'll jump on, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been, uh, and let's be honest, it's one of the most important years in professional wrestling. But I think yes. with that absolute saturation point, and it's not the others couldn't be bothered. It to be fair, it's they're busy and that they work hard and they have jobs and lives and want to see their parents. And it was Thanksgiving this week and all of those things. One of the main reasons why we won't actually get to hear from them. But there has been like literally, if I suggest we want to record a show about a North American show, it's like we've got that much stuff to watch from Japan that there just isn't time. And I myself. Mm. Um, don't watch WWE. Everyone knows that it's not my cup of particular tea. Um, but I haven't really. I've watched a bit of AEW. I've watched the NWA. This is the year I finally gave up on Impact Wrestling. Uh, wow! And- <laughs> <laughs> it finally happened. They finally drove you over the edge. Um, yes, uh, you know that me, Marcus, and my friend Chrissy are ardent Impact Wrestling fans. I think Marcus still watches occasionally, but me and Chrissy have finally had to actually bow out because it's that awful. Um, mm-hmm. I summed up by Marty Jones, uh, legendary former 10-time mid-heavyweight champion of the world, one of the greatest professional wrestlers I've ever seen, and a guy who mentored so many greats in the British industry when he said, I watched Impact Wrestling on Friday night. What a load of shite. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, so that kind of sums up where we're coming from with this. I know, look, we, we try and be positive all year round. We really, really do, because we love professional wrestling, and I'm sure there is some things which we enjoyed, which we will drag ourselves out of the quagmire with. But it has <laughs> a bit of a slog to get through North American wrestling this year, and I think it basically comes down to we've got far too much products and not enough time to watch it. Yeah, that pretty much is it. I'm glad it's not just me, because I felt like... Yeah, the last few months I have been so slack on keeping up with all this wrestling. Like, even just trying to keep up with all the New Japan stuff that's going on on top of NXT and AEW has been a bit of a nightmare, to be honest, because, you know, life, <laughs> life of work also <laughs> has to happen, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, so clearly this is a little bit of a, a theme for a lot of people that it's been tough to keep up with everything that's been going on yeah it's just it's hard work to watch sometimes as well you know it's like wwe programming like nxt has been pretty good and there's been some nice cool stuff but it is like i'm so glad i'm not watching nine hours of television to get through this or sorry seven hours of television to get through this because i can watch it in gift format and keep up with it quite handily i no longer have to watch the television show to completely understand what's going on in wwe yeah, good old social media. Yeah, well, I was I was chatting to one of my friends the other week who watches, like, WWE every week, and he was like, I've watched it every week since, I don't know, the 90s, and he was like, even I am like, this is a slog now. I kind of want to stop watching it and just focus on NXT and AW and maybe NWA, you know, like, and New Japan. There's all this stuff going on, and... WWE's got hours of programming that arguably goes nowhere, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, this is it. Let, let's be honest. 
on most weeks, you'll have at least three New Japan shows, so there's seven hours of your week taken up. There's the NWA yeah. hour, hour, there's another 45 minutes to an hour taken up. If you want to watch Impact Wrestling, good God, why would you? But there you go, there's another two hours. <laughs> You're already at nine hours. You've got seven hours of WWE program that's fresh every week, and that's another 11 hours if you've got a pay-per-view. So that's 20 hours. That's a full-time, well, a part-time job. Then if you stick on AAA and you stick on CMLL, there's another 24 hours a week if they don't have a pay-per-view. And you have AEW, that's 26. And, well, let's say MLW, there's another two-hour show. There's 28 hours. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else who's major in North America in 28. Yeah, 20 hours of wrestling a week. That's more or less a full-time job just to watch stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, we shouldn't be negative. Let us talk further about good points that's happened in North America this year. So then, the first award goes to Match of the Year. What is your Match of the Year, Alex? So, um, so honourable mentions, because I had to, again, really go back and remind myself all the matches that had happened this year. Um, honourable mentions, Pete Dunne versus Walter in NXT TakeOver was really good, where, where Peter finally lost the UK title, which was the perfect way to do the title change, which was always going to be difficult after he'd reigned for so long, but I thought they got that spot on. Um, Cody versus Dustin in AEW, we spoke about mm. at the time, deserves a shout for the amazing story at all. You know, it wasn't a classic in terms of high spots and work rate and all that stuff, but it was really old school and brilliantly done. Um, other AEW stuff, I guess, Moxley and Omega split opinion, but I thought it was fantastic, albeit very brutal. But it was definitely different to anything you'd seen in mainstream US wrestling for a while. Um, Omega versus Janela as well on AEW Dart was great. Um, to give WWE one, Kofi versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania was the best match on the show, I thought. They did that very well. Mm. And then... It, in terms of the pick itself, was kind of between, I guess, two two feuds, which we'll probably talk about later. But NXT wise, the best matches were between Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano. They had a bunch of great ones. Their two out of three falls match um, mm. over Mania weekend was special. I thought that was just an incredible piece of work. But I've gone for on the AW side. My favorite match this year was probably. Between the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks, could have gone for the straight-up tag they had at the first yeah. show, which was insane. But I think the ladder match just... Yeah, we, we knew it was going to be good <laughs> between those two, but it was just absolutely insane. We I think we did a show on, on that, didn't we, and spoke about yeah. it in detail then at the time. But yeah, some of the stuff they were pulling off was just unbelievable, even for these four guys. Like... The Canadian destroyer off the ladder was obviously the standout moment, but there are about seven or eight more spots <laughs> like that that were just absolutely ludicrous. Um, yeah, it's just everything you wanted it to be. Probably one of the best, craziest ladder matches we've ever seen. And yeah, everything you want from a match between two of the most innovative tag teams in the world. Uh, I completely agree. I think... I think Lucha Bros and Young Bucks is probably one of my favorites as well. Um, LAX and Young Bucks as well. Uh, the recent mm. AEW, I keep calling them LAX. I, I can't remember their new name. <laughs> I think I think they're just calling them Ortiz and Santana now. I think they've given up on even them having a name. Ortiz and Santana could just be the best tag team ever, and they're in the right place to grow. They kind of did everything they could do in Impact Wrestling, and I was glad they left. To be honest, <laughs> left for them to do. Uh, they had to go somewhere else. And AEW is a place where they can actually grow in front of your eyes on national television. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they've done. But my match of the year is a bit of a different pick because it's act one that actually moved me, made me feel something. And that was Tim Storm versus Nick Aldis for the NWA Heavyweight Championship on the first episode of NWA Power because it told a really interesting story that was really well observed and really th fitted the aesthetic of what NWA Power is supposed to be. 
in this surreal Stranger Things kind of 1980s universe. It's <laughs> so well introduced the world to Tim Storm on a much bigger national stage than he'd had before. And he is a guy like me and Marcus were talking about at the time when we covered NWA Power after the first few episodes. It's like, where has Tim Storm been for the last 30 years? And why isn't he main eventing WrestleMania? Mm. You know, he's a guy that just seemed to have slipped through the cracks because no one figured him out. And Billy Corgan's taken him and made him a massive star at the twilight of his career. Um, because, you know, there was a, a fair reason for saying all the NWA guys when Billy Corgan took over could just get dropped. But here's a guy who picked up the ball and ran with it and was an NWA champion for a long time and really handed the ball off to Nick Aldis in a very classy way. It's, you know, it, I hate to say from who we've lost this year, but it's a real highly race to Ric Flair situation, you know, and that's really important to the company and really important to what Billy Corgan is trying to do with the production of the TV show. And I think it's one of the most important jobs that's happened in North American wrestling this year. So that's my pick for match of the year. Mm, I've, uh, I've not actually seen that. I've seen a little bit of NWA Power, which I've enjoyed, but I need to, um, yeah, I need to check out more because... Yes, yeah, so that match has completely passed me by, unfortunately. <laughs> it's well worth watching. It's not, a, it's much like we said with Dustin and Cody, it's not a Mac Classic. There's some mm. plus moves even in it, but it meant something. It meant something a great, it's, there's a great deal there going on to, to the NWA Championship and for the future of the company, and that's really important. All right, then, we move on to our other biggie, which is Wrestler of the Year. Alex, who do you have for Wrestler of the Year? Oh, this was uh, an interesting one. Um, so, look at some WWE people, I think. Well, WWE will obviously tell you that it's Seth Rollins, which I think is probably slightly disingenuous, given how horrifically mismarketed he's been by that company um they god they do not know how to build baby faces anymore that's become clearer and clearer in the last few years but and obviously seth does not help himself on twitter as, as we've seen this year as well but um he did have a he did have a good year in terms of his in-ring work it's just a shame they did the feud with the fiend the way they did because i think that's fresh in everyone's minds really um but yeah, in terms of other people I thought about as well, um, Becky Lynch, obviously main evented WrestleMania, stayed at the top for the whole year, basically. Again, I think WWE maybe haven't maintained her momentum as well as they could have done, but that's classic WWE in the past God knows how many years. They don't like anyone getting too big of a name because then they might leave. Um, ridiculous, but there we are. Um Daniel Bryan, I mentioned earlier, um, we spoke about his return on last year's podcast. Um, and he started the year as WWE champion, had that great feud with Kofi, which led to the match at Mania. Um, and yeah, I just thought his heel character was great. And then it's a shame that he got pushed down the card because basically his stance against working in Saudi Arabia. But then... Who's the guy who gets called on to main event a show when all the wrestlers get stranded in Saudi Arabia? It's Brian. So, yeah, <laughs> what, when he's been allowed to show what he can do this year, he's been fantastic. Um, John Moxley could have been a shout, but I think although he's done great stuff in AEW, I would say his best work's been in New Japan this year. So probably can't pick him for North American awards. Um yeah, the, basically the main two choices for me with the majority of what I've watched has been NXT or AEW. Uh, NXT, Johnny Gargano's obviously had phenomenal matches all year again with Cole, Ricochet, loads of others. Um, Shamey finishes the year injured because I know they will line up him to take on Finn Balor, which will probably happen next year and will be amazing, I'm sure, but I think my pick for rest of the year will probably have to be Adam Cole. Um, he, yeah, I felt like, first of all, he obviously stepped up when, you know, they had Gargano and Champa planned for the big Mania weekend show. That was going to be the blow off to the feud that has been, it was like three years <laughs> in the making or something ridiculous, like the kind of storytelling that WWE 
never seems to do anymore. So it was great to see it in NXT. But then Champa gets injured right, what, a week or two before, can't do the match. So they put Adam Cole in. And he just really stepped up and create. they created this whole feud um, on the back of this great match and this great story that they could tell for months and months. You know, ended up having one of the best matches of the year initially, then loads of, well, you know, a few great other ones as well when they were carrying on the feud. Um, and yeah, he's just been the main man on NXT, basically, with you know, leading the charge when they invaded the main roster the other month and all that storyline. He was right at the forefront of it. He, yeah, they've obviously kind of created this four horsemen NWO type thing. The Undisputed are going to win all the gold, the Undisputed era. Um, He was saying that was going to happen all year and then it finally did. Um, He's killing it on promos. He's killing it in the ring. He's probably... Yeah, I think he's just the best all-rounder in North America this year. That's kind of why I lean towards him, I think. Okay, and this is going to be a bit odd because I never pick a WWE person, but of the all the North American wrestling stuff I've seen this year, my pick for wrestler of the year is Becky Lynch. Okay. She made the most money. She headlined the biggest show. And the reason why um, her matches have been believable her matches have been good drama her matches have been compelling but they've started taking her off tv because they want to save her for the big moments and that hasn't happened since hulk hogan steve austin and the rock didn't get this treatment which is you know partly it's a gamble because you to taking your biggest star off of tv is always a gamble but it does show you the faith they have in her that she will pop crowds when they need her to. She's kind of ascended to that next level that in the way that Roman Reigns and um, uh, Seth Rollins just haven't yet. You mm. know, she's above them easily. In fact, the women's division generally is more interesting than the men's division by a long shot. Um, did I see Roman Reigns being covered in dog food this week? That's where we're at. <laughs> oh my God. So, because he's the biggest dog in the yard, which is somewhat hammering the lily with a hammer. <laughs> um, yeah, subtlety has never been uh, Vince's strong point, has it? So, yes, and while she's off TV, she's keeping her name out of such drizzle. So, yeah, I think that's <laughs> the year because she's the only one that actually promoted correctly. And hey, look, she headlined the biggest show ever and made a ton of money. So that, that's our other honorable mentions for me. Jordan Grace has been phenomenal when I've seen her on the indies and the bits I've seen. Yes. Um, I would also argue that Nick Aulis has been kind of played the perfect NWA heavyweight champion, which is what he's supposed to do. Nice to see Colt Cabana come back and do loads of stuff in Ring of Honor uh, and in <laughs> NWA as well. So it's nice to see him doing cool stuff. He's had a really good year. Um, and the good wrestling year, and in New Japan, but we obviously we're not talking about that today because we're in North America. Other than that, that's really my pick for the rest of the year. It's not that the AEW guys haven't been great, but it hasn't been compelling enough television for me to keep watching every week to be able to tell you that it's great. Their mm. pay-per-view has been good. I mean, I think, but again, it is one of those things that all of their top-line workers can't wrestle each other every week, and they've been trying that, and it and it is not giving you ever-repeating returns because essentially what I think AEW's problem is I mean, for me, not that there's a problem, it's a good show and I'm being very positive about it and I don't want these people that's seen as a negative person towards AEW but it seems to me like they're trying to run New Japan in North America but mm. you can do that because you in New Japan you have all those six-man tags all day long for a week and then on the weekend the big match happens and that doesn't happen in AEW because it can't, because you can't run six-man tags all through a whole show, can you? You just can't do it. The actual marketing for it is completely different to what they're trying to do. They're fixing it, and it's getting better, but it's, it's still a bit of a problem when you've seen guys like Omega have these phenomenal matches, but they're in an environment that allows them to have phenomenal matches, and they haven't kind of figured out how to do that with American television yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's... You look at someone like... Kenny Omega, where every other year he's been right at the top of 
both our lists, everyone's lists, let's be honest. Um, and yeah, he's, uh, you know, he, wa- he wasn't on my list this year, not because when he, when he has wrestled, he's had phenomenal matches. Of course he has, it's Kenny Omega, but he hasn't had enough because of the nature of what they're doing with AEW at the moment. He hasn't had enough matches really to be considered for best wrestler of the year. Yeah, and it's just it's just the way it is. That's it. You know, it's it's okay. It's just, just it's not it's not quite clicking yet. There's potential there in the company, but New Japan had a thirty year red start, so of course it's going to be better. Yeah, I think this is something because I'm sure you're seeing it on your timeline a lot as well on social mm. media that this constant fight of what's better between WWE and AEW and it was inevitable this would happen and all this talk of the ratings and stuff like that and when NXT jumps up it's like oh AEW's finished now and it's like has everyone forgotten this company's been around how many months and you know they're still like you say they've got to figure out direction there's stuff they've got to improve on um the women's division particularly will be the other thing but you know they've there's a lot of promise there and they've had great shows and great matches it's yeah it's just strange that all this there was all this hype there and then as soon as something gets to a certain level it's like right let's try and let's try and find every flaw in it and tear it down now even though it's only been going a few months yeah because, you know, it's also funded by a billionaire, not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> really isn't. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. You know, it's going to take a while, but it'll get itself sorted. And it's not dropping off in the ratings by much. You know, it's floated back up over NXT again this week. So, you know, it's it's going to be all right. Don't worry, guys. You're fine. If as long as you're yeah. pulling a million people to watch it every week, people will keep buying it. I'll fire. You know, people have been buying Impact Wrestling for the last 14 years. And at one point this year, 3,000 people watched it. So, you know, <clears throat> on Twitch. Anyway, <laughs> glad they've got a new home. Still not watching it. Anyway, we'll move on to Tag Team of the Year. That's interesting choices for Tag Team of the Year. Alex, who have you got your Tag Team of the Year? Yes, uh, honourable mentions again. Um, kind of... On the back of what we just spoke about, um, the Young Bucks have been fantastic again. Um, their feud with the Lucha Bros was everything we hoped it would be. But if we're being fair, like with Omega, they haven't wrestled a huge amount this year, the Young Bucks. Obviously, particularly the first, what, six months of the year where they were really involved with setting AEW up. So they weren't really having many matches. So it would again be... It would be harsh to pick them as tag team of the year, you know, over other teams who've been doing it for 12 months. Um, SCU, I think, have been really great. We've spoken about them, um, what they've been doing in AEW, obviously won the tag titles as well. Um, Santana and Ortiz, as you've mentioned, really great additions to AEW. Um, NXT, um, O'Reilly and Fish have had another stellar year, I think. Mentioned Adam Cole early in the Undisputed Era. They've been killing it every takeover, every NXT show. They're defending the titles. Um, Who else? Um, I mean, (laughs) I'd like to say the Viking War Raiders experience people, whatever they're calling them now. Um, They had that amazing tag match against the Undisputed Era in NXT at the start of the year, then they were called up to Raw, and it all went downhill. Not not wow. just because of the name change, but... You all right? Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, I, thought okay. you, I thought you said something. Uh, <laughs> it all went downhill, and I went in about a week. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sorry, yes. It was, yeah, ridiculous how quickly WWE managed to screw them up basically especially when they were on they literally come off the back of this insane tag match on nxt as well it was it was wild um but yeah my personal favorite this year tag team of the year uh, is the lucha bros i think pentagon junior and phoenix have just 
yeah, they've just had consistently phenomenal matches. We mentioned the feud of the Young Bucks, the ladder match, everything around that. Um, also, their matches on TV, the work they've done against SCU. Um, it's just been really great to see a luchador tag team, you know, come on, come on to a North American TV program. It's very kind of WCW in the mid-90s kind of thing, this you know, a team who are two, I guess, the hardcore wrestling fans were really well known. Um, They'd obviously made a name on the back of Lucha Underground as well. But to see them in a major company in front of maybe more casual eyes who wouldn't necessarily have been exposed to two guys like that. And yeah, the the stuff they can do is obviously just mind blowing. So (laughs) yeah, it's, it's been awesome to see them in major feuds in a major company in North America this year. I will point out though, before we go any further with that, with Lucha Bros, more mm. people watch more people watch AAA than they do AEW. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so it's kind of like I not no I know I completely agree with you. It's great that they, they say that, but I see a AAA as a major company because they're actually the second biggest company in North America. Um, but, yeah, I should say in the US, really. Yeah, to be more, fair, yeah. Yes, I think the the thing is because we're kind of English speaking centric, obviously, and that's one of the mm. reasons we scoop everything uh, in the wrestling world. Is but equally, but I would like people to bear in mind that CMLL and AAA have been around longer than any of the promotions in North America aside from WWE. Oh, you know, CML has been around longer than any other promotion on earth, but. Mm. Uh, they they get massive crowds and they get massive live draw gates and you wonder why people like Alberto Del Rio and people like that went up and were great in the WWE is because they already knew what they were doing when they got there. You know, they've worked for major companies and so it, they are that's what makes the Lucha Brothers great. They're signed. They they were a great signing because they don't get spooked by big crowds, they don't get spooked mm. by live TV. They know how to put a TV show they've been doing it since they were like twelve. So Oh, to be honest with you, why you don't get more Mexican Lucha Libre signees, I don't know. But it's starting. To, the tides turned, I think, on that this year a bit. Yeah, a bit this year. Yeah, no, it's it definitely has. Like the last the last few years, really. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably to do with like work visas, partly and stuff like that. Um, mm. I would imagine um, if there's difficulties with that, because yeah, like you say, particularly with you know, working relationships between companies now seem, you know, stronger than ever in a way. So it is strange that it's taken this long for luchadors to come on to major US promotions. Yeah, I mean, one of the persons we didn't speak about who's like obviously a major effect on North American wrestling this year is Roosh, who's ended up who's Ring of Honor World World Champion. Um, mm. but we that's much about him because Ring of Honor has been dreadful for most of the year. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> it's like a major, major moment for a major American company to get a Hispanic heavyweight champion is absolutely awesome. Uh, but the moment he got became champion, he was fired from CMLL. They couldn't use Roosh anymore. And it's like he was fired for working for another company in um, working for an indie show somewhere in California, which happened to work with other companies. It's like ridiculously complicated and stupid. It's mm. like Dragon Lee, who's uh, re- who's still working for New Japan Pro Wrestling and is signed for New Japan Pro Wrestling now, not CMLL, is using a new name because CMLL won't let him use his old name. So, you know, it's just insane and it's just madness. And it's kind of like things CML have shot themselves in the foot with this year. But they'll be okay because we're the biggest promotion in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's wrestling politics for you, unfortunately. I don't think we're ever going to get rid of that, <laughs> sadly. Anywho, my tag team of the year, as you've gone with Lucha Bros and there, I was erring towards them, but I like to bring different voices. And you're going to go, no, you can't say this. My tag team of the year, the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I should have known they'd be high on the list. They've wrestled for New Japan, Ring of Honor, and the NWA this year, and AEW as well. The only people to do so. Yes. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. Not only that, they finished the year with the NWA Tag Team Championship for the 10th time 
they are still an incredible draw. And if you've seen Ricky Morton doing a suicide dive at the age of 60, whatever, 65, he still runs them ropes like he's 22. And it's a joy to watch. And one of my favorite moments of this year was watching Ricky and Robert tagging with Tanahashi in New York. And Chelsea said it was one of the most brilliant things that she saw when she went to see that New Japan tour. He thought it was absolutely amazing. So my tag team of the year, because it's actually 1986, is the Rock and Roll Express. It is wild how good they still are. Also, the Canadian Destroyer as well. If you get to mention the, <laughs> the the dive, you've got to mention the Canadian Destroyer as well, which was amazing. Oh, dear. Yeah. Petey oh. um, Williams was complaining this week. So, like, like if, if uh, NXT want to improve ratings, what do they do? More Canadian Destroyers. If AEW wants to do improve ratings, what happens? More Canadian Destroyers. When am I getting my money? Yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think Canadian destroyers may have um, jumped the shark this year. The we've seen so many in the most yeah ludicrous places <laughs> that you can think of. Okay, then we move on to the next big money maker, which was Feud of the Year. Alex, what's your pick for Feud of the Year? Yes, well, it was between. Three that jumped to mind for me. Anyway, you might have more. Like I say, I've I've been a bit slack the last few months, so I feel like I might be forgetting a couple of obvious ones. But um, three that immediately jumped to mind were Young Bucks against Lucha Bros, uh, Adam Cole against Johnny Gargano, and Cody against Jericho as well. I thought it was really well done, really well built. Um, Cody's promo on Jericho as well was fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think I probably lean towards Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano's feud of the year. Um, because as I said earlier, the way they were able to jump in last minute after Chompa's injury and build the story into something that could carry NXT for months as like a fully built out feud that took lots of different twists and turns. Um, I think it took Cole to the next level too. You know, I've picked those my rest of the year. That that doesn't happen probably if if this feud you know isn't put together because it really pushed him to prove he was you know the main event talent. Um, and it basically achieved everything a good feud should do, I guess. So yeah, I think like I said, I think I plump for that one just because I think it was really impressive to, the way they were able to do it, you know, so last minute and turn it into something, turn it into such a great feud that carried the company for months. Yeah, I, th- I, I can understand that as well. I mean, my pick is uh, Nick Alvis and Tim Storm again, just because mm. it's, it, it really launched a TV show really well. It kind of captured people's imaginations in a way a wrestling show hasn't done before, I don't think, for, for a long time anyway. And the fact it was a YouTube show that was getting 2 million viewers in its first couple of weeks, a YouTube show was getting 2 million viewers um, more than, you know, like AEW was with nationally televised exposure over mm. the same kind of like, you know, I don't know what the rewatch numbers were like for AEW, but I doubt it was two million over two weeks. You know, it it's uh it it's found a niche audience and that storyline really set the tone for what they were trying to do. It does genuinely feel like the early nineteen eighties and the way the show was presented and it, it set that old school storyline because it reminds you of Harley Race and Ric Flair and it reminds you of Dusty Rose and all those things. So yeah, I think Alison Storm was my choice. There was other uh Great stories being told in North American wrestling as well. Um, yeah, so that was my particular. I can't really think of anything that stood out for me. I mean, I was there's the Becky Lynch Ronda Rousey feud from the very beginning of the year, but it was so badly written. It got over despite what was going on with it. You know. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind it, of my thinking as well. It, it, it's like this is the this is like any really important feud for the future of women's wrestling and for the future of your company. You've got your biggest mainstream star against your biggest wrestling star, who's long term invested in the company. So let's add somebody else to the mix for no apparent reason, who has no end in the finish anyway. So there was no point in being there. Yeah, I mean it's. We, I think we spoke about it at the time when we could see it happening, but. WWE mm. has to get, you know, Vince particularly has to feel like 
he's in some way created it. I think that's the issue is because this obviously wasn't the plan that Becky would be the person. I think the plan was always that it would be Charlotte and Ronda, but then Becky got over bigger than almost anyone ever has in the history of the company, you know, um, on her own back, basically. Um, mm. Then Vince has to feel like, oh, I, I did this in some way. This isn't happening in spite of me, you know? Yeah, it's, oh, God. Anywho. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like, as far as money feuds is concerned, I mean, there's been big money feuds. I mean, <sighs> Impact Wrestling had a big money feud wrapped up in Brian Cage and Sammy Callahan, but I didn't mm. watch can't stand watching Sammy Callahan. He's an awful wrestler, and I don't understand why he's leaving the company. I know, look, he's leaving the company, and the ratings die. You know, mm. it, is like, it does just shock me how badly some places have done with the blindingly obvious. And it's, you know, and it's not me that just doesn't personally like Sammy either. I know lots of people who just don't like him. It was mm. earlier this year as a guy that you and your friends don't like but seems to be massively popular for no apparent reason. <laughs> and it's like, so it was hard to take, take things seriously from that company. The feud you mentioned in AEW, very, very much so, but nothing else really piqued my interest other than Becky Lynch and Ronda. And it was a shame Charlotte was along for the ride because they could have done something so much more useful with her. Yeah. Um, it was a waste, but there you go. Uh, right, we'll move on then to comeback of the year. Oh, oh, sorry, promotion of the year. I've missed my list. What's your promotion of the year? Oh, promotion of the year. So, I mean, we spoke earlier. It's been this major year in for wrestling, in particularly the US, with formation of AEW and this Wednesday Night Wars thing with NXT. Um, I don't think, I mean, we've kind of touched on it in parts already. I don't think WWE have stepped up to the plate as some people may have hoped they would with the formation of AEW. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely not going to be WWE I'm, I'm picking. I still think <laughs> the, their show is hugely problematic in a number of ways with Vince McMahon in charge, um, mm. especially in terms of any kind of long-term direction. <laughs> you know, he seems to change his mind every week still, but maybe next year something will click i don't know i'm not holding my breath on that <laughs> in terms of some of the others we've mentioned you know ring of honor and impact haven't stepped up either which is a shame um nwa power what i've seen of has been fun i think some of their hiring choices are a tad problematic mm. but that's probably a discussion for another time obviously the cornet racism incident was horrific as well but in terms of the programming and what I've seen, I think it's really promising. I like, I think you said it before, it's like going back in time into like an 80s bubble. I like the feel of it. Um, like the theme tune's amazing as well. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think... Just sorry, to stop, uh, stop you there. Who knew that Marcus Green was a Dockin fan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dockin... Yeah, that's one of the things I learned this year about one of our longest-standing friends, Marcus Cream, likes Dokken. Yeah, I mean, is it is it just that song, or is it that whole back catalogue? Because as a theme song, it's an absolute banger. Like, there's no way around it. <laughs> I believe he said you have to put up, you you have to stand up for songs that are great. Yeah, no, yeah. it's true. It is true. But yeah, it's. Yeah, when I watched it, it caught me completely off guard. <laughs> that theme tune, I yeah, I loved it a lot. But um, promotion of the year—that's uh, what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> it would, yeah. I mean, for me, like because I haven't seen a lot of the other stuff. You know, we've mentioned Triple and CMLL. I can't. I haven't seen anywhere near enough to pick one of them. Um, so it will be between AEW or NXT for me, from what I've seen. Um, AEW has obviously shaken up the entire <laughs> industry. So uh, I feel like I should pick AEW, but then is it disingenuous because they've not been running shows for the whole year? Um, well, I mean, if you pick match of the year, is only one night, isn't it? So what can you That's mean? true. I think... Yeah. Yeah, 
it probably has to be AEW then for what you know they've like I say they've shaken up the industry the the whole landscape of North American wrestling has changed this year because of this promotion um whether it's you know like we say now there's too much wrestling almost to keep up with as a result but it's definitely I think it's definitely reinvigorated things and it's definitely made things better for the talent there's no doubt about that um you see with some of the contracts people are getting in WWE and AEW, the way certain people have been able to reinvent themselves um, coming from WWE to AEW as well. Um, yeah, I was I nearly picked NXT because they've obviously been doing it all year, but I think, yeah, the thing that's changed the industry this year is AEW being formed, so I'll go for them. Okay, well, my choice of the year... I... <clears throat> with NWA for the same reasons you said it's been an innovative show it's been interesting to watch every week it's captured my intention I want to watch it every week can't be said for the rest of the promotions <laughs> yes they've been problematic there is a I'm not happy with um, and certainly the Cornette stupidity was the Cornette stupidity and that, that could have been avoided by simply just being sensible mm. you know I, I had to correct some people they were like oh it's because he was it's just trying to feed back to the 80s and said, yeah, well, racism was wrong in the 80s as well as it is now, you know. But, yes, the NWA show, which is a worthwhile watch for me, is uh, is my kind of show, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's fair, I think. I'm definitely going to have to try and catch more of it. Like I said, what I've seen, I've I've really enjoyed. I think, yeah, it's kind of what we touched on when Lucha Underground was really good, where if you create your own universe that works not that it's, it's obviously not as wacky as lucha underground but you know what i mean like creating their own feel for a show is really cool yes i would agree with you comeback of the year what is your comeback of the year alex so once i got thinking about this because initially i was like uh oh, who's made a comeback this year and then i actually realized there were quite a lot of options once i started thinking about it and this is just from the stuff I've watched, you know, Tegan Knox coming back from her knee injury was great to see. Um, Tommaso Ciampa coming back from the neck injury so quickly. You know, we didn't expect to see him until next year, probably. Um, you could throw Finn Balor in, in here because of he's gone to NXT and already looks completely reinvigorated with the heel turn. Um, a lot of uh, Bullet Club Prince Devitt being drawn on there, which is always welcome. Um, probably with a little bit less swearing, I would imagine, but still very nice to see. Um, uh, on the same kind of front, uh, Sasha Banks, you could throw in, you know, obviously left WWE after WrestleMania. She's not the first one to do that due to frustrations with the company. Um, although it definitely brought out the sexist, that one, which was a delight. But anyway, um she she obviously went and trained in Japan, looked to be having a lovely old time. And then when she actually returned, she returned looking reinvigorated. She was a heel, which is always when she's best. And yeah, it was there were quite a few examples of wrestlers coming back and looking reinvigorated. Um I suppose we better mention CM Punk as well at this point. <laughs> the the return nobody thought would ever happen, um, albeit on a program loosely affiliated with WWE so I don't know if we can call it a proper return just yet but it's definitely a big deal I never thought he'd do anything affiliated with that company ever again to be honest so particularly after the lawsuit and everything um so yeah that was that was a big one I guess if we'd be slightly loose with the criteria if you'll allow me go on go on this my pick is John Moxley because I think you know the man formerly known as Dean Ambrose in WWE was he spoke about this on numerous shows you know how frustrated he was with how things work there how he felt they turned him into a joke basically just this comedy character he didn't have the creative freedom he wanted and then he's gone from being this great talent who was being completely misused. I mean, I, by the end of his run in WWE, I 
couldn't care less about him, to be honest, which, you know, to go from that to one of the hottest commodities in wrestling, you know, when he... <laughs> when he went from doing no social media to releasing a big professionally shot video announcing his return to the indies on his social media was fantastic and got the whole wrestling world talking, you know, showed up on AW, got, you know, caused a storm there. We can't talk about his Japan stuff, but the stuff he's been doing in New Japan has been phenomenal. Like, He's obviously just having the time of his life, to be honest, back <laughs> doing what he wants to do. The To see him, he feels like dangerous again, which is something that WWE never got. Uh, and partly part of that is obviously the PG aspect and things like that and the stuff they just can't do on WWE now because they have to answer to certain people and sponsors and everything else. But you know, seeing him have that match with Omega, as divisive as it was, was like, like I said earlier, just completely different to anything we've seen on a major US show this year. And yeah, he's, I just think he's just been completely reinvented. It's been, it's been great to see. Yeah, it has. I will admit that with Moxley. It's been interesting uh, to see how he's developed. Uh, we'll talk probably more about him in the New Japan show because I've watched more of his New Japan stuff. Yeah. Uh, or, or not the New Japan show, all of Japan. We don't just look at New Japan, we look at everything. <laughs> I should qualify myself there. My comeback of the year, because you've been very much all-encompassing and I don't watch WWE, the way I agree with a lot of your choices, my comeback of the year is Rosemary. She came back in late 2018 and over the years she has been a compelling babyface character. She lost Ali, her best friend, in the TV mm. storyline, um, to well, uh, she lost her to the dark side or AEW as it's known. Uh, when she <laughs> <went>. <laughs> um, and truly so, because she's a heel in AEW now. Um, so Rosemary kind of had to reassign herself as a as a the lead babyface of the company, and she did a cracking job whilst not being on television. Um, and she did an amazing job. She started to lose weight again. She's looking a lot fitter and a lot trimmer than she did when she first came back. Um, and she's having great matches and um, I just love kind of like the relationship between her and Jordan Grace where Jordan Grace is like the most normal human being in the world and she... <laughs> <laughs> so when I when I have watched Impact Wrestling it's been for the women it's been mainly for Rosemary and Jordan Grace uh, we next move on to most improved wrestler of the year do you have anything for that Alex you were concerned yeah I've again being probably loose with the criteria I've got a few ideas of people I can throw out um I think possibly my pick is going to be similar to what I already said but you could throw out Bailey I think has been not that she wasn't fantastic before but I think the heel turn and again frustrations with WWE and how she was being used has really taken her to another level this year I think you could throw in people like Sean Spears um, who's looked even better in AEW. You could even po possibly say Cody, to be honest, because he's had a fantastic year. Um, and again, it's whether he'd be most improved or comeback, I suppose, would be up for debate. But I think people who saw the end of his WWE run would be pretty shocked by the matches he's turned out in AEW this year. And yeah, he's been he's been brilliant. I think probably, again, if we're being loose with the criteria, most improved, you could say John Moxley, again, <laughs> as my pick, to be honest, because he looked, like I say, so... He was just nothing by the end of his WWE run because <laughs> they just they just ruined him so much and turned him into this complete joke of a character and even... You know, some of this was by design at the end because they didn't want to promote him too much, but they obviously still wanted to promote the Shield and, you know, all this funny stuff that happened on his way out. But you look at the matches he's had, you know, at the end of the year, the stuff, again, not necessarily relevant to this show, but he, the stuff he did in the G1, you know, this is not the same dude we were watching in the last couple of years in WWE at all. 
Um, so yeah, I'll I'll go for that. There is probably people that who have massively improved this year that I'm just not thinking of. <laughs> that will, I'll probably get tweets when this goes out, being like, "How could you forget this person?" But yes, apologies. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Becky Lynch again. Purely because she went from a very, very, very good wrestler to being the most important wrestler on earth within the space of about three months. Mm. And there is there is the gap between being a good main eventer in WWE and the gap to being a superstar who is so over you can main event WrestleMania and see her main eventing WrestleMania long into the future. That's a massive gap. And she's the only person to cross that divide since John Cena, in my estimation, uh, from what I have yeah. seen. So I have to say that's most improved, because she's gone from being a good main eventer to being the hottest property in North American wrestling, by a long, long way. And the fact that she's female, and she's done it in the WWE, is only more impressive. Yeah, I would agree with that. So then, next one is Manager slash Valet of the Year. Any nominations here, Alex? Again, always a struggle, this one, in modern wrestling. I feel like every year we have this conversation that it's tricky. Um, You know, obviously, you always have to mention Paul Heyman. You always have to mention Zelina Vega. But how much have they been allowed to do this year in WWE would be my question. Um, The main one I thought of, from the little I've seen from NWA Power was Camille, um, who I think has been, it's a nice addition to kind of Nick Aldis's character. Like you say, the the way he carries the NWA title, it's very old school and she's kind of a very old school valet for him. It, it fits really nicely, I think. Um, yeah. Again, there's probably others that I'm I'm forgetting about, but <laughs> I feel like again it's it's still kind of a little bit of a lost art in US wrestling at the moment. Yeah, I mean, as, as well as the fact I've picked Camille as well, and it's basically mm. she's got over by saying nothing. Yes, and which is really yeah, interesting. It, which is clever booking, let's be honest. But in an industry <laughs> where you're told you have to talk to get over. She has been the exact opposite. Mm. This is the, this is the, and it's an old trick and it's been done before, but she's executed it so well. You know, her first major splash was the NWA championship match at the Crockett Cup with My Score versus Nick Aldis. That was a really important wrestling match. And we should have mentioned that in match of the year, actually. It was outstanding. It was My Score's best work by a long way. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, she came in as this bodyguard enforcer and she kicked the heels off, ready to attack Skrull, and Aldis sends her to the back. And it's an old storyline, you know. No, he's my friend. I have to defend with honor. And that's what the NWA is all about. And that's really hard to pull off. It mm. can be a- and she doesn't. She's perfect in that role. She is a brilliant, brilliant wrestling mind to get those kind of things over. And I enjoy her work immensely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I have to say her for Valley of the Year. Uh, our next award is the Mick Foley Masochism Award, which we give in honor of the great mankind Cactus Jack Mick Foley. Uh, and I've kind of split mine awards. Three. <laughs> what about you, Alex? I will give my nominations momentarily. But what about you? Um, yeah, I. Yeah, a few people stood out. I mean, I. <laughs> I usually end up picking WWE for making the same mistakes over and over again and never learning. But I'll go for. <laughs> Um, in a more legit sense of what the award should be. Um, mentioned John Moxley a bunch, could throw him in here. Um, Joey Janela as well. Um, I guess the first name that came to mind for me, <clears throat> I don't know if he's on your list, is Darby Allen. Yeah. Because, yeah, he's gone from being a guy I didn't know a huge amount about. I hadn't seen much of his work. I'm sure there's a lot of other people who didn't either to doing exactly what <laughs> this award is meant to be. He's got himself over with a masochistic style, basically, you know, from that missed coffin drop against Cody, which went viral at the time, and then 
some of the other wild bumps he's taken in matches against Havoc, Janela, all these guys in these like brutal street fights he's been doing. You know, this all ended with him on TV getting the first world title shot at Chris Jericho, which would have seemed probably unlikely to a lot of people when they first saw this, you know, skinny kid with makeup on come out, you know, earlier in the year. But it shows, yeah, how you this can still be done, that you can get yourself over as an underdog kind of crazy, I guess, babyface with this hardcore style. I think he's been the best example I could think of this year. I was going to say, I was going to give a three-way tie between Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela. I'm yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I've got on record saying I'm not a fan of Joey Janela. I don't particularly like his wrestling style. But the things that he's actually done in the wrestling industry this year have been phenomenal because he still sells out his own show at WrestleMania at Spring Break. He's mm-hmm. gone to AEW and made a really good impression on the company and had a straight wrestling match on Kenny Omega, don't forget, that was phenomenal. You know, uh, a really good, just straight, no brawling, no chairs, shake hands at the start and the finish, straight up wrestling match with Kenny Omega, and they flew, and it was brilliant. Uh, but yeah, Darby Allen, Bump Machine, he's been awesome this year, and Jimmy Havoc really kind of being that mentor in the, the, the AW rock room needs because he's the veteran. He's kind of a guy that holds things together, especially on those big brawling matches and in yeah. the battle, things like that. So, yes, I'm impressed with all three of those guys. So we're going to split the order that way. Also, the guys who did Josh uh, Barnett's Bloodsport series of pay-per-views, were the GCW wrestling, was fantastic. Absolutely loved it. Not really got a place to mention him anywhere else. Um, but Josh Barnett, uh, as you know, has a very specific way of what he likes of his professional wrestling. He booked and put his name to the show, and it was uh, watching him and Chris Dickinson was a, an absolute joy. And I hope they do another one come WrestleMania because uh, it was outstanding. Um, but yeah, Darby Allen, uh, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela is my split pick for the Mick Foley Masochism Award. Yeah, I think that's fair. I didn't I didn't mention Jimmy Havoc, but yeah, that's they've um <laughs> AW's definitely like found a place for that street fight, you know, hardcore style that again is it's stuff you're not gonna see on other major US promotions. So it's it's smart that they've they've worked that into the programming. And our last award for North America is the moment of the year. What is your North American moment of the year, Alex? So, um, honourable mention stuff, again, probably forgetting a bunch of stuff, but I just wrote down all the big ones <laughs> I could remember. Um, Cody against Dustin, we mentioned like that, that match and that post-match promo was just wrestling, you know, when it's done at its best. It was just brilliant, that whole package. Um, Gargano finally winning the NXT title was a massive moment. Uh, Moxley showing up at AEW, we mentioned, was huge. Um, (laughs) I wrote down a little bit of the bubbly as well. That was a big moment (laughs) this year. (laughs) Uh, NXT invading WWE was cool as well. Um, NXT moving to two hours or an hour and a half was a big thing. Um, in terms of heel turns, I think Io Shirai, Dakota Kai's heel turns were really well done in NXT. Um, haven't mentioned Io Shirai, by the way, much here, but seeing her do badass evil Io uh, in NXT has been a lot of fun, I have to say. Um, or, for, or for those who watched her in Stardom, Io. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, the shame is that obviously Kyrie had gone up to the main roster by this point because, yeah, it would have been lovely to see them reinvigorate that feud with Kyrie as the ultimate baby face and EO just being an absolute shithouse because <laughs> it was a lot of fun before. <laughs> um, and yeah, again, a couple of things we've we mentioned. Um, the women main event in WrestleMania was obviously massive, long overdue so annoying that WWE keep patting themselves on the back about it when they should have just been doing it years ago, but it was still a massive moment nonetheless. Um, And Kofi Kingston winning the WWE title as well was huge. They, my God, they screwed it up, but, you know, it was a huge thing when it happened and he 
deserved a lot better than the way he ultimately lost the title. But yeah, I'm sure we could have a whole other conversation about WWE and treatment of uh, its black wrestlers throughout history. But at the time, it was a huge moment. Um, But yeah, my pick, again, like probably... (laughs) mentioned this a lot but i think the biggest moment of the year has to just be aw forming because you know it has shaken up the industry and made things better for the talent made things so exciting again in north american wrestling 2019 um as we said they haven't got everything right since but they're still learning but you know when they ran that first press conference and the names that were showing up, it was, you know, it just felt like this huge historic moment in wrestling. So, yeah, I I had to go for that, basically. I kind of agree with you on that. That was listed as mine. My honourable mentions, I will point out, it was, an, it was a New Japan show. But it was a Ring of Honor show, but Okada taking the title off Jay White at Madison Square Garden. I'm sure I'll talk more about that in in our Japanese show but it was a North American show on a North American card with a North American company so I kind of am cheating here but it was important no um, that's fair because I was like do I mention that do I not um, yeah you know Abushi versus NATO on the same card um G.O.D. taking the Ring of Honor and uh IWGP Tag Team Championship was memorable for entirely the wrong reasons mm. uh, as was uh Kelly Klein's uh Ring of Women of Honor Championship reign start uh, when she beat Mayu Itani for it in what should have been an absolute barnstorm, but it was far too short and was ruined by a terrible ending with dreadful booking and really summed up Ring of Honor's year because it was badly executed. It was a bad idea, badly executed, and lasted a really long time. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, um, I would say AW has to be. I mean, it was important. The NWA Power show was important. Seeing the Crockett Cup back was really important. The way PCO and uh, Brody King won that match and won that final with the story they told, you know, beating the, you know, beating the, the I've forgotten the name again. The brothers from Ring of Honor, whose names I can never remember. Briscoes. There we go. That's <laughs> show. I think I've just blocked them out. Uh, being the, losing to the Briscoes in the second round and coming back to win uh, from behind with injury, with injury against Team Wildcard. It set Team Wildcard up as a long-term NWA tag team champions going into the new show. It got the Briscoes back over again as a tag team threat and did a bunch of stuff for Ring One and the NWA. It was really, really well done. Of course, Mighty Skull and Nicholas, uh in that cracking match on the same night. I would also say Tim Storm and Nick Aldis in the NWA as well. Uh, Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks going hell for leather in AAA and AEW. You know, Young Bucks winning the title. There's all sorts of great moments you could mention. I think still the AEW one's probably the most important one. Most emotional one would be Becky Lynch winning the championship at WrestleMania. Um, But it's difficult to say. There's been, all right, so maybe where we were a bit negative to start with, but there's been loads of good stuff. It's just been hard to pick it all out because there's been so much stuff yeah no i agree it's been it's been good doing this because it's kind of reminded me that a bunch of good stuff has actually happened this year it's just there's so much going on that i think we maybe forgot about (laughs) quite a bit of it yes i think uh, we've got lost in the quagfire that's what happened to us now we feel much better about ourselves and (laughs) This has been like a therapy session. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, I feel like we, we'll probably advertise those back. So if you see when you when you see the adverts for this, Alex and James uh, have an intervention. Um, <laughs> to remind themselves that North American wrestling is still all right. It, it's still reasonable, adequate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where it's where it's going next, we have no idea. That's that's going to be the interesting part, I suppose. And uh, hoping that we still have got the will to live and plough through it all on a weekly basis. Yes. 
Okay, then. We'll call that it for this award show. There'll be another award show along next week where we'll look at Japan and Europe with whomever is available to talk about it. We also have to look at World Last Tag League final before we get to, of course, the Wrestle Kingdom preview show, which is our annual Christmas show where we look at, well, Wrestle Kingdom, which will maybe be a long preview show as it's over three days this time. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, of course it is. Um, yeah. So I can't. I can't believe it's this time of year already that we're looking ahead to Wrestle Kingdom. It's just, yeah, yeah flown. It is. And it is going to be slightly bizarre because I won't be able to watch Wrestle Kingdom Day One because I'll be at work. It's Sunday on Day Two, so I'll have to catch up with Day One, and then I'll have to mm-hmm. come Day Two on the Monday. I'm hoping we're not at school. Um, yeah, I got a lot. Of, I'm about 14 hours resting, watching three days. Anyway, it'll all be cool. But anyway, my name. <laughs> You can find me at Sheriff Lonestar on Twitter. You can find Alex at AlexWatt187 on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Meant to ask you this because I haven't talked to you since. How do you feel about Homicide being back in the NWA? Yeah, that's cool as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like I say, this is why I need to watch more because the amount of names that I've spotted connected to it is really... Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. Yeah, my... My homicide love that um, we'll named my Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> also point out, homicide, wearing an NWA t-shirt. That's like the Dr. Dre Ice Cube NWA t-shirt on an NWA show. Was yes. breaking the fourth wall. Which is so awesome. good. So yes. good. <laughs> anyway, you can find the show at Troopany Show on Twitter, The Troopany Show on Facebook, and The Troopany Show on Patreon, where you can keep Troopany Show free forever for everyone. Please go see our sponsors, Indie Empire Magazine, new edition coming out soon. And, of course, Powerslam.tv, where you can get a free month if you use our code MULLETWATCH. Go use that code. Enjoy some wrestling over the Christmas holidays. We'll be back next week. Take care, and see you soon. Bye! Thank you.